Here we are, another Locked On 49ers, Locked On Texans crossover podcast for week 17. We are going to get into the key players and plays, what's going on at quarterback, maybe a couple of rookies showing up in this contest, and of course, make some predictions. Niners, Texans crossover style for week 17 coming up right now. You are Locked On Texans. Your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers and Locked On Texans. This week 17 crossover, Brian and Eric here from Locked On 49ers. we got Cody and John from Locked On Texans. Uh, I'm actually getting more and more excited about this game, guys, because um, of the, the recent news, what's going on with these teams, what's going on uh, with the Texans winning a couple games. This isn't a team that's just going yeah. to be a little pushover <laughs> that you're going to be rolling over, right, this week. So, um, and I guess with the latest news, we got to start with the 49ers because their quarterback situation, and, and, and that's the first place we were going to go in this anyway. So, to break down the latest, Jimmy Garoppolo speaking today. Uh, at the 49ers facility, Kyle Shanahan speaking today at the 49ers facility, trying to break down everything going on with this uh, situation with Jimmy Garoppolo's thumb. Uh, let's start there. You guys can ask us some questions about the Niners. We'll ask you about what's going on with the Texans and then make some predictions here in segment number three for this pod. But uh, as it pertains to Jimmy Garoppolo's thumb, it's a grade three sprain, which is also known as a tear. I don't know why they're calling it a grade three sprain. They really want it to be a sprain more than a tear. Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to go to the rookie <laughs> to play in this game, but Jimmy didn't practice. He had his hand in a bag of something, ice and whatever. Uh, his hand was wrapped up. He did not practice. He couldn't go today. I am doubtful that Jimmy G is going to be able to play, but it sounds like George Kittle on local radio just before we went live here with the podcast said he expects Jimmy to play. Jimmy said he'll play through it if he can. Uh, it might be up to Kyle Shanahan to try to hold him back and say, no, that's doesn't give us the best chance to win this game, but it sounds like Kyle Shanahan wants him to play too. So I don't know, maybe they are going to push for Jimmy Garoppolo to play in this game. So that's all to say right now, will it be the rookie Trey Lance? Will it be Jimmy Garoppolo? As of Wednesday evening, when we're recording this podcast, we still don't know. I don't think he will or should play necessarily, but that is something to be determined, not practicing as of yet though so trey lance is getting work with all of the ones uh as far as halfway through the week here midweek as we get ready for week well 17 i keep thinking it's week 16 because week 17 is usually the end of the season it's uh we got an 18 week season here going guys <laughs> uh this is fun but anyway uh john cody what what's what's on your mind what what is your first uh takeaway with this 49ers game here and uh any questions you have for croc and i about this game and this team Yes, sir. And Brian, Eric, you know, both of you guys can basically take turns with this question. You know, I'm basically going into this game expecting Trey Lance to be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And with that being said, what have you guys have seen from Trey Lance? It doesn't matter if it was doing training camp, doing preseason or doing the one game that he started, because I think because Trey Lance has only basically play one game. I think it came in a loss against the Arizona Cardinals. It's going to be kind of difficult for the Houston Texans to create a game plan around him. 
Croc, you want this one? I, All right, I yeah, I mean, hard to answer because <laughs> I don't know really is the is the number one answer because and Kyle Shanahan said he's been practicing well the last four weeks, and uh, Fred Warner said he's been carving up the scout team, been more accurate, more uh, decisive out there on the practice field. But it was a heavy quarterback run formula for Trey Lance's first start uh, against the Arizona Cardinals in, in a losing effort. But um, I don't know, Croc. What, what what do you think we should expect from Trey Lance? Yeah, you know, it, it is tough. I think based on what we've seen early on, even I think preseason and that game against Arizona, we even saw two different uh, quarterbacks, right, when it came to Trey Lance. In the preseason, he was throwing the ball. His second passing attempt in the preseason was an 80-yard touchdown pass to Trent Sherfield. Uh, they did more stuff playing them under center, drop back, you know, throwing the ball and things like that, kind of working on his, his timing and his rhythm. And then you get to the Arizona game, and – they did more of like running him and run power stuff, almost like a kind of Cam Newton hybrid type offense, kind of a Lamar Jackson type offense. And he's not as athletic as a Lamar Jackson. So it definitely didn't look quite like that. Uh, it, it was interesting to see Kyle completely go away from what we saw in the preseason with Trey Lance. And maybe he was like, okay, this is what's going to give him the best chance to be able to get through this game and, and win. Uh, but it sounds like, you know, throughout this time he's been off, and he hasn't played since. I mean, he took a couple snaps against Jacksonville Jaguars. Outside of that, he hasn't really played at all. <laughs> so in the time in the snaps he did take against Jacksonville, it was just handing the ball off when the game was pretty much over on the last drive. So it sounds like he has improved. You know, each week he's getting better uh, and getting more comfortable with what it is that Kyle Shanahan's asking him to do, even while running the scout team. Uh, I, I heard Fred Warner's thoughts on how early on he was running around too much during scout team. And uh, finally, he's kind of gotten to the point where he's been more aggressive with his passing and he's improved from that standpoint. So I'd assume it'd probably be closer to what we saw in preseason, but maybe just a little bit more consistency as a passer. First, uh, this is my first time ever on Locked On Network. We've had four hosts on the screen, so I'm going to go ahead and you know, kind of give it up for us. For us, yeah. but well done, I want to, uh, you know, ask you guys. And Brian, you can take this one since Eric kicked it off. But you guys have really put together a great backfield uh, that depth chart. You've had four, three running backs go over 80 yards in a game this year. Two over 100. The seventh or eighth best rushing attack in the NFL. How proud of you guys! With the uh, what do you guys eight and seven? How proud are you that Kyle Shanahan, who has been known to schematically beat teams with his with his run offense, to have those running backs, Elijah Mitchell, who I wish he was playing on Sunday. I really need him for my fantasy Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Wilson, who stepped up. You got Trey Sermon, who hasn't had an opportunity to really play, but he's been able to run the ball whenever he's been healthy and play for the 49ers. Yeah, uh, and I'm with you. I've I own. Um, Elijah Mitchell in every single league I'm in. And actually, locked on Dynasty League, I am in the final uh, against Chris Carter, who hosts the. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, I'm in the final. And uh, I would like I would like Elijah Mitchell to be my RB2 this week to go with Jonathan Taylor, my <laughs> RB1. I'd be feeling pretty good about my chances uh, in this one. But, uh, and good news there is that he's back to practice, limited, but still back to practice. So there's a chance. Right, so uh, there, okay. there's a good chance. Once and if he plays, no, knowing Kyle Shanahan, if yeah. he plays, he'll run him 25 times. Yeah, hey, and you know what? I need that, and I need a couple you're of receptions clear. as well. 
Yeah, it'll get a couple of receptions, maybe a touchdown. You know, I don't want to get too greedy asking for two touchdowns. He'll get in the end zone at least too one greedy. time. Um, yeah, and so uh, that'll be fun. And actually, I have some questions for you guys about that run defense because I think Kyle Shanahan is, is going to try to go run heavy, especially if Elijah Mitchell's ready to go. The other rookie, Trey Sermon, he's uh, going to be healthy and able to play in this one. So the 49ers will have their healthiest backfield, it looks like, uh, than they've had in months this week. So, um, and, and I think, you know, I think Elijah Mitchell's going to play and I think he's going to carry the load for the Niners this week. That's what I'm guessing is going to happen. But really, to be honest with you, I'm sort of um, running back agnostic, and uh, I, I say a lot, running backs don't matter. It's not quite that black and white, but when you have Kyle Shanahan and a good offensive line, they almost don't matter. Like the You put a wide receiver back there, boom, eight yards a carry. You put a, a running back back there, runs it 27 times, four and a half, five yards per carry. It's what you're going to get. We've seen so many different running backs be successful in Kyle Shanahan's offense. So um, uh, no matter who's back there, the 49ers are going to try to run. We'll have some level of success with the run game. And if the defense they're going against allows them to, they'll have a ton of success. And if Jimmy's hurt or he's going with the rookie Trey Lance at quarterback, which it looks like one of those two things is going to happen in this game, then I expect Kyle Shanahan to try as hard as he can to run the football. And we might see 40 plus runs in this game. And if they can do that and get out of there with the win, uh, that'll be just fine. I'm sure for Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan got those Texas roots. Uh, he was with the coaching staff a few years ago. Charles Omenihu, another player that, you know, we shipped over to you guys and he's been playing seldomly, but how has he impacted the D-line for the uh, 49ers? Played a couple of plays. That's, that's probably where yeah. the 49ers' depth is, right? Like the best depth at the D-line with guys who don't have the big names, you know, with Arden Key, Omenihu. Uh, there's some other guys uh, along that line, D-line that you guys probably wouldn't even know who they are. Obviously, Bosa, he kicks everything off. Like he's the one that you guys will have to worry about the most. He's very disruptive. Uh, teams have been – they've started to do more max protection. Tennessee last week, they held Bosa without a sack for the first time, I believe, in several weeks. And a big part of it was max protection. They'd send three guys out on route and somehow still completing the ball. But uh, that might be something that Tennessee might – oh, excuse me, Houston might want to do because if not, Bosa, he – I mean, he's really tough to block and he disrupts games – I think there's a stat out there right now that at least up until like the last few weeks, Nick Bosa was doubled more times than anybody in the NFL. So that might be the recipe to try to slow him down. But even then, he still has like 15 sacks. <laughs> so he wins at a really high rate. Uh, but yeah, I mean, who he's he's done a good job kind of being like a rotation player. He's come in and, and chase quarterbacks, move quarterbacks off of their spots. Uh, I believe he has a sack or two as well. So uh, he's been a good depth piece for the 49ers right now. Yeah, he's sort of become what Eric Armstead was as a bigger sort of run stuffing end. And Eric Armstead's been playing more of a full time tackle role because of the depth issues they've had inside a tackle. So you know, he, he's done a good job. He's he's in a rotational role, made a few flash plays, hasn't made a huge impact, though, for the 49ers so far. Um, uh, if you guys have some more questions about the Niners, we can get to those. I do want to talk Texans because there are some points I really want to get into. But I want to tell the folks out there about bet on line who has you covered for more props more odds and more lines than ever before as football continues its march to the college bowl season and of course the nfl playoffs and you've got college hoops nba hoops nhl boxing ufc your favorite vegas casino games if you're a black jack player if you are a poker player if you're a baccarat player 
they've got you covered at betonline.ag, which remains your number one spot for all the sports action this new year. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code locked on to receive that bonus. For example, if you think uh, that's way too many points that the Niners are giving up with 12 and a half against those Houston Texans, you can go to bet online and put some money down on that wager. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all those amazing new offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. This is probably what most 49ers fans are wondering right now about the Houston Texans, especially when they see a score that I had to sort of rub my eyes a little bit and be like, am I reading this correctly? 41 40 points, points. That the Texans put up on the on those Chargers like that was wow. After putting up 30, so 71 points in two games for the Texans. Um, I know there's been some turnovers that that were part of that, but it is like what's going on with this Texans offense right now? And is Davis Mills starting to maybe turn some heads, maybe change some plans for the Texans front office that might have been heavily, heavily shopping in quarterbacks? Will they maybe pull back a little bit on that and say, you know what, we've got a young player here that we might want to roll with for a little while and see what we got in 2022? Hmm. Yes, sir. Davis Mills, he has been proving a lot of people wrong, especially over these last three games. Of course, you guys know the Houston Texans are on a two game win streak. But over the last three games, um, Davis Mills has thrown for 794 yards, five touchdowns and one interception. And that one interception is very important because when you take a look at, I believe it was like the first six or seven games that he played when Tyrod Taylor was on the shelf due to a hamstring in- injury, taking care of the ball was one of the main issues that he was having. He was turning the ball over at an alarming rate. However, he has taken the step back and he has improved in all the areas that we wanted to see him improve from taking care of the ball to making multiple reasons, not just depending on Brandon Cooks to getting out of the pocket and, and trying his hardest to extend drives. And it's because Davis Mills has taken those steps. It's part of the reason why we have seen this offense look a hell of a lot better over these last two games. Yeah. I also would like to add to that. Uh, Cody made a point last week one of our episodes that essentially this is Davis Mills, what, 20th game in the last three years mm-hmm. because of the injuries he yeah. sustained at Stafford, Stanford. And there's a lot of guys. I spoke to a guy last offseason going into this season that told me how highly rated a lot of prospects, not the prospects, scouts had Davis Mills. It was just yeah. the lack of, uh, you know, the time spent on the field during his collegiate day. So, you know, when we look at his first few games playing in the NFL, they were not the most welcoming, thrown in in the middle of a game because your 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 coach, no coach, your uh, your starting quarterback goes out. Then the next game, at the time, you're playing one of the best defenses in the league. You have an OC that is completely you can't trust him. He he's never consistent. So when we look at the last couple of games, well, I did. I think it does start with the OC Tim Kelly, who we've talked very bad about on this show in the city of Houston. Well, he's called a couple of consistent play game, uh, play calling games. But I look at him as a quarterback and I say, well, he just got comfortable. He's comfortable behind center now. Uh, we also look at the offensive line who's played better in the last couple of games as well. We took on a charger with no Bosa. So now we're going to be going up against a 49er team with a Bosa. We'll see how that affects the turnout. But the offensive line has played much better, but he looks completely comfortable 
uh, in command of an offense that I think is now more Davis Mills friendly compared to what we saw at the beginning of the year where this guy was a deer in the headlights. Remember that? Uh, not Mark Sanchez, Sam Darnold. I'm seeing ghosts. Now, Davis Mills was, was not caught on camera saying that, but we can understand that when you throw four, four interceptions in a game or you have five turnovers in one game, well, you are seeing ghosts. I don't see that no more. Maybe because yes, we played the Jags and, and a team that was just very hurt, but I see a different Davis Mills out here at quarterback. Yeah, Mills was someone that I, I liked a lot. You know, even so much so that when the 49ers were sitting there at 12 and people were like, oh, they're going to take Mac Jones, I was thinking, hey, I'd rather draft like uh, an impact player on defense or on offense and then take Davis Mills in the second round because at Stanford, he did do a lot of things very well. And his wow. the offense that he ran was similar to what Kyle Shanahan does, a lot of timing rhythm stuff, uh, playing under center, turning his back to the defense, being able to you know be accurate on quick throws. His biggest issue was kind of decision-making. And sometimes you have those issues when you don't play a lot of games, which he was like, I want to say the number one quarterback in the country coming out of high school, but he only played 14 games at Stanford. So, right. yeah, even now, I mean, I think there's still a higher level in which he can get to. He just has to continue to, you know, kind of get those reps. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't hurt the 49ers this week. I like, you know, Brandon Fitzgerald <laughs> from my hometown, Stockton. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I like to see those guys do well. But I do want to talk to you guys a little bit about some of these weapons. Because, you know, I watch the game and I see, you know, Philip Dorsett. Obviously, Brandon Cooks was having another terrific season. I think he's a most, not just because, you know, we're from the same crib, but uh, he's, I feel like he's the most underrated receiver in the league. No matter who's throwing him the ball, he's yes. a thousand yard walking receiver. And then you have uh, Chris, gosh, the, the, the one that plays Chris with the uh, Chiefs. Conley. Yeah, played with the Chris Chiefs. Conley. Yeah, Conley, Dorsett, guys that can really stretch the field. Has Davis starting to get in the rhythm with being able to throw the ball to these guys down the field? And is that where they could potentially hurt the 49ers? I think so. We saw last week we had two big down the field passes, which was something that over the course of the time we've seen through uh, with him this season, we were looking for that. You know, of course, we know you're going to get those short intermediate routes, which is what they were working on throughout all offseason, whether it was Davis Mills or Tyrod Taylor. But we kind of wanted to see that arm that we heard so much about and his athleticism, getting out of the pocket, using his uh, using his legs to create plays or extend them. But last week, we saw a couple of big plays thrown down to Chris Conley, which is one of them. Uh, Dorsett caught a big pass. Uh, his arm is another area that we're not 100% sure about, only because we haven't seen it in the NFL level. We've seen it a little bit in college with the sample size. But the possibility of him and that trend continually to stretch down the field, stretch out the field, with Conley, Brandon Cooks would be coming back. Nico Collins, the rookie uh, wide receiver that we drafted out of Michigan, and Dorsett. I'm not sure if Dorsett playing got hurt. No, last he, he's he's out. He's out um, for the final two games with an ankle injury. Yeah, so I, I would be looking towards uh, Brandon Cooks, of course, to kind of give you guys some issues. And I'm also looking at the confidence of Nico Collins, who scored his first touchdown last week, to kind of hurt the 49ers in the middle of the field because he can take some of those catches. He's a bigger guy, so I, I don't think he's good. y'all gonna be able to hurt him too much. You know, y'all, y'all can tackle over there. I, I know that much, but uh, Brandon Cooks would be the receiver that I think will really be able to hurt you guys on Sunday. What's going on at the running back position for Houston? Because, you know, that's one area, especially with the 49ers, you, you probably want to try to get the run game going and keep these guys honest. I think that's going to be the Houston Texans' best friend. <clears throat> excuse me. The Houston Texans' best friend as far as kind of 
slowing down guys like Nick Bosa. You want to give them something to think about and not just have them pin their ears back and rush the passer all day. So how's the running game going and how effective do you think that would be against the 49ers, which actually the 49ers run defense has been pretty good this year? Terrible. This is probably the worst that they ever had. And yes, I know it's coming off the hill. Exactly. Yes, I understand it's coming off the hill. Well, Wes Burkhead ran for, what, 150 yards? Put it like this. Davis Mills is starting to become the real deal. I think Wes Burkhead just had an out-of-body experience on Sunday. Plus, as John (laughs) said, you know, we we, they was playing a a, a team that didn't have a Bosa. Of course, you, your guy, Bolster, is going to beat us. I, that, I think that's going to make a difference. But this run game has been terrible. It has been at its worst. As a matter of fact, yeah. um, Mark Ingram, who was traded like almost two months ago, was the leading rusher for this team at like 290, all the way up until Rick Burkhead rushed for like 150 on Sunday. So this wow. run game, I, I don't think they're going to be able to repeat that performance. If they do... You know, prove me wrong, but this the run game for the Texans in 2021 has been the worst it's been probably in franchise history. Yeah, I want to see the st- the the stats on that because Bosa's per game is pretty important in the NFL. We saw what zero Bosa's per game did for the 49ers last year, and we saw what zero Bosa's did for um, the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers last week. So having Bosa in the game there, he's going to be huge for the 49ers. Uh, I think it's all going to start with the run game for the 49ers on offense and being able to stop the run game on defense, put that rookie quarterback in some bad third down situations. I think that is absolutely the key to this game for the San Francisco 49ers to come out ahead. Okay. Uh, Coming up, we've got to make some predictions. I got a couple more for you guys with these Houston Texans and how this game is going to shape up in week 17. If the 49ers are able to stop the run on defense and run the ball on offense, where would you, if, if I told you that is going to happen, do you look at this line at 12 and a half points and say, oh man, this is going to be a blowout in favor of the 49ers? Or do you think the Texans, seeing how they've played all year, seeing how they're playing recently, can play sort of a grinded out game? And even if they don't necessarily go into the 49ers' house and knock them off, do you think they can? grind it out, keep this thing close where it's a, a late field goal or a late score that wins this game rather than multiple scores for the 49ers in a victory? You know, that's a very hard question because the strength of the 49 offense is being able to run the ball. We know that. Uh, Jimmy G being healthy and having those moments where he's looking like the quarterback the 49ers traded for is a plus. But you guys can win games if he doesn't necessarily look like that. You can win the game with an average Jimmy G. If you get Wilson, uh, he'll he'll be on he'll be ready for Sunday. But if you get Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon back, that'll allow him to be able to attack defenses with certain ways that he hasn't been able to do in the last couple of weeks, last couple of games rather, because they haven't been on the field. I think that'll be hard for Houston to stop. And on top of that, we haven't been able to stop the ball all year when it comes to our ground defense. So I don't think two scores is out, is out the ramp. But I see 13 points. I can definitely see that because once that run games are opened up for you guys, then that allows your quarterback, whether it be a Jimmy G with a with an injury or Trey Lance who would be making his second start, that allow that quarterback to get comfortable because now all they have to do is kind of sit back there and pick their poison. Um, 
for me, I, I think I'm going to take the opposite approach. I think, you know, even if the 49ers do come out and run the ball, I still think the Texans have a chance. And I only say that because, yes, they have been horrible at stopping the run, but I think he had more so more so due to the fact that the Texans' defense was always out there because their offense could not sustain drive. Now, over these last two, three games, the Texans' offense has looked a lot better. That's going to give the Texans' defense a breather. And another thing I would like to mention is – you know, early on in the season, it seems like the Texans defense was struggling to get a hold of Lovey Smith's Tampa 2 defense. Um, now it seems like everybody has found a niche. And, you know, like I just mentioned, if the offense can, can sustain drives, I think that would give the defense more energy to be able to stop the to, to be able to stop the run. Um so it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I, I'm kind of hoping that you guys are 100 percent healthy because I'm dying to know are the the Houston Texans that we saw the last two weeks, was it because you was just playing against the Jacksonville um, Jaguars who, you know, they've been a, 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 a dumpster <laughs> fire all season. And then of course the Los Angeles chargers, all eight players were on the COVID list. Right. And the chargers have already had a really bad run defense in, in that. Yeah, that too. Really hurt them either yeah, in January or going home very early if they do make the playoffs. And I don't know if they're even going to make the playoffs at this rate. Um, but before I make my prediction, guys, uh, I want to ask you one question about the Texans that I'm wondering about just because it's sort of a no-name roster and the way that they're turning that thing over. And one of the benefits of a roster like that, right, is you find out who can play, who are the, of these young players are going to stick around. And there's a ton of, like, really short-term, one-year free agents that they brought in, so much roster turnover. Is there, like, a secret superstar on the roster, a guy that maybe 49ers fans have no idea about? And then uh, on Monday, they're like, hey, there's that one guy the Texans have that at least is a keeper. This guy's pretty good. Or, or this guy I didn't realize was that good. Because I have my idea about one player that that um, might be that name that you bring up. But is there any name, offense or defensive player that probably most 49ers fans don't know about that has sort of been a, a breakout player for the Texans and might be a, a part of the thing for a while? Yeah, I got two guys, man. John Gennard, we get him back off the COVID-19 list. Uh, and I'm wondering how healthy or how – how his body's going to react to playing after missing a week and if he was really sick or how that's going to turn out. But he's a guy that has, you know, from year one to year two, there's been a huge jump in his game. And top of year, Thomas, who just won AFC uh, Defensive Player of the Week, who took one to the house last Sunday, man. I, you know, people were looking at a lot of the pro bowlers that made the list this year at cornerback, and a lot of his numbers uh, was either similar or better. And so, you know, Houston found him, Bill O'Brien – just last parting gift before he left, drafted John Gennard. So those are the two players that I would say that on Monday you may be, okay, well, those two guys are definitely worth sticking around. Mm, okay. For me, um, uh, I just go. Um, for me, um, I would just go with um, Brevin Jordan, the rookie tight end. You know, I know you guys was asking about offensive Miami. weapons that the Texans, <laughs> the offensive weapons that the Texans have, and what I would say, um, Davis Mills and Brevin Jordan is starting to put together a great chemistry with one another. So I would say look out for him as well. Yeah, that was the name I was I was thinking you guys might say was Brevin Jordan at tight end. And, and I didn't even realize because I saw that, he, you know, he was ticking up in the statistic category recently, except for one game. I think he had zero targets or zero catches or something a couple weeks ago. But, you know, late in the season, he's been doing some things. And he's actually the second leading receiver in touchdowns on the entire roster. Cooks has five. Yeah. Jordan has three. Nobody else has more than one. Oh, no, Conley, I'm sorry, has two. Uh, those are the only players that have more than one touchdown reception. Yeah, Reverend Jordan, uh, he missed. Well, I'm not gonna say missed, but he was inactive the first seven games 
mm-hmm. of the year. So it's going to tell them what else he could have did with his offense. Can I ask you guys about Debo, man? I, you know, I, I think yeah. when I see Debo, Debo is the first player. I'm not, I'm not going to say the first player, but he reminds me a lot of what I think the NFL could have did with Devin Hester on offense. Uh, now, Devin Hester, you know, he plays a receiver. And, we, we, of course, we know how much of a legend he was with returning the, the football kick of his uh, punt return. But I still think there was so much more Devin Hester could have did to defenses back then. I just think the NFL was, at that period of time, so slow. But Debo Samuel, man, you can put him in the backfield. Of course, he's going to go out there and catch passes and give you some yak. He's a, he's a very dynamic player. I just want to talk about how a, of a godsend he's been for this offense so far this year. I want to let Croc answer that, but I will say I bet Debo is a better defensive back than Devin Hester was too. <laughs> wow. I, I wouldn't. I, you know, I listen. You know what? I'm glad <laughs> my boy uh, Hester made the switch. I'll just say that. Okay. Yeah. Hester, <laughs> you know that's an intriguing one. I haven't heard that. You know, you hear the Percy Harvins, obviously Cordell Patterson, because he's played. you being used in a similar role with the Atlanta Falcons, but Hester, I think, you know, and again. Some guys just enter the NFL at the wrong time. Now, he entered the NFL right. at the right time as far as a re- being a returner, but at the wrong time because, yeah, he is someone who I feel like, you know, Debo, it's not like he's the best pure route runner, right? He wins with, uh, you know, catching the ball and yards after catch. And a lot of times it's, you know, it's slants. It's deep over routes. It's kind of stuff that's schemed up. Then they let his athletic ability take over and do the rest. You know, when it comes to him running the ball, Hester is a freak athlete with tremendous vision. You know, I I don't think that he's somebody that couldn't do what Debo does when they hand the ball to him and he hits the edge and he really hits another gear and he's able to – Debo's faster than I think people think and maybe even defenders think because they're always like, wait, what the heck? Then next you know he's running into the end zone untouched. So that is something that you guys have to worry about, whether it's him just lining up in the backfield – or if they do that end around thing where they kind of like toss it to him behind and he just runs around the corner and they usually block it up extremely well. If they do that. You guys have to look out for that as well. But I do think that a guy like Devin Hester, I, again, I don't want to say he, he'll be a 13, 1400 yard receiver like Debo Samuel is about to be, but he is someone that definitely could have been good in that type of role. Kyle Shanahan does such a good job, too, of just manipulating the defense enough where he gets a, a linebacker because of motion this way, gets a oh, linebacker of safety to move one so step beautiful. over, then brings Debo back this way, and he has that little extra step to get to the edge, and, and Debo's been so amazing, amazing at catching the edge. But Devin Hester, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I hadn't heard that comp yet. I, just, I, I think Debo is a, just a very dynamic player, and I hate the Texas let Kyle Shanahan, who was a part of that coaching tree, just – the way he calls plays, man, is just so damn beautiful, especially when it comes to that run scheme. I, I just – I'm in awe sometimes. When they, when they are healthy, you get ju- – uh, Kyle Justin as well. Oh, gosh. Well, is, is Matt Schaub a good comp for Davis Mills? <laughs> I, I From what I've seen – good question. From what I've seen, I, I could see a version of Davis Mills being – the uh version of Matt Schaub, not the uh better version that was it 2011 or 2012, where Matt Schaub was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But I, I think a year before that, he was still a very good quarterback. And I think Davis Mills is a player from what I see right now, just have the environment kind of almost perfect that he can go out there and not lose your games. However, I will say. He's won Houston some games this year in the last two weeks where it wasn't perfect, and he's been able to go out there 
and win in his environment. So Matt Schaub, I think, is a good comp right now. As long as it's not David Carr, fine. Yeah. Speaking of seeing ghosts, he, he actually literally had ghosts in the backfield oh with uh, David Carr. Dude. That's yeah, that was a rough one. Um, actually, I keep thinking of more questions with this Texans team. So with Davis Mills showing you a little something at the end of the year, does that mean the Texans aren't going to be calling up John Lynch and the 49ers and offering up a draft pick and, uh, and, and reuniting Jimmy G with uh, his ex-GM from the New England days there in, in Houston? You want it, John? Hell no. <laughs> No, exactly. Man, not gonna make a trade for that. I, I, you got it, Cody. I, I, no, I was gonna no. say the same thing. Hell no. no. Like that's no. one thing I am happy about. Davis Mills showing some promise because I was a little bit afraid that that was going to be a, a a realistic possibility. Jimmy G in Houston after what? Oh hell no, no. Okay, the the no. Davis Mills hype is real. Okay, you guys are maybe making me rethink this prediction I've got for this football game. Uh, I'm gonna say. I've got the Niners by 11 in this football game. 24-13 is what I think the final score is going to be. That means if you're betting on that 12-and-a-half at betonline.ag, you might win it on the Houston side of things. But I've got the Niners 24-13. Croc, how do you see this one going? I, I, I like that score. I like that score. It's, it's weird because with the 49ers, sometimes they just – like really dog a team like they did Atlanta, like they did Jacksonville, like they did the Rams. Sometimes they'll come out and just hit teams in the mouth and then play really good defense. Defense is not as bad as people claim it to be. Uh, They really do a good job of kind of limiting stuff. They tried to limit uh, Tennessee the other night, but Jimmy Garoppolo did his best uh, to kind of hand the game over to the Tennessee Titans, turning the ball over uh, in and giving them giving Tennessee the ball in scoring position, also taking the point off the board by throwing an uh, interception in the end zone. So, as long as the 49ers take care of the ball, which is challenging for them, th- th- there's an opportunity for this to be like kind of a blowout. But if they do what they've been known to do throughout this year in certain games <laughs> where they just do their best to keep teams in the game and turn the ball over and, and fumble kickoff returns it'd be much closer than the 49ers would like. And if you have Trey Lance out there, you don't want it to be close. So hopefully for them, they take care of the ball, and it is a score, like Brian said, 24-13, something along those lines. Yeah, a lot of running the football, a lot of maybe keeping the scoreboard a little closer, even if they're able to win. But, hey, the the Texans did the same thing to the Jaguars that the 49ers did, too. So the, this is a better team than what the 49ers saw when they saw the Jaguars, that's for sure. Uh, we, I know we kind of went over it a little bit earlier, but, you guys, what's your official prediction prediction for this one? I think Houston creates some turnovers and make it an interesting game. I will say that. I mean, neither one of us is that good with holding on to the ball. We both are tied with 21 on the season. But I think they create some turnovers. I think it's a difficult game at first. I mean, depending on whether it's not even depending on if it's Trey Lance or Jimmy G, I can see Houston making this very competitive in the first half. It's always that second half for Houston this year where I'm just get, I'm dumbfounded by the decision-making by the coaching hmm. staff. So I can see a – 24-16 victory for the 49ers. I can see something along on those lines. Okay. Mm. Um, for me, one, one thing I forgot to mention in the show, Lovey Smith has done a great job making it hard for rookie quarterbacks. And, yeah. and not even for rookie quarterback. 
Yeah, it's like eight, nine sacks on a year. And not only for rookie quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks has also had an issue um, playing against his defense as well, as you saw Sunday against um, Justin Herbert. And I think the only two quarterbacks that actually had success against the Texans defense off the top of my head is Josh Allen and, of course, Russell Wilson. You're looking at what? two of the top five quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, but I think this is going to be a very competitive game, especially if Trey Lance is under center for you guys. And I actually, I, I, I can't really pick a winner. Too. I can't really pick a winner, but I think because you guys are able to run the ball. And of course you guys have Nick Bosa. I'm going to go the 49ers 24 Houston Texans, 20 one because I do believe the hype that we saw these last two games is real. Ooh, that'll be a fun one by a field goal. Yeah. And I think we are all in agreement. And I think most people watching this show, even fans of Jimmy Garoppolo, are pretty darn interested in seeing what Trey Lance looks like back there. So uh I, I think we're all hoping for Trey Lance to be back there for the 49ers, just to add a, a fun, another fun element. John, you want to finish it up? Yeah, I just want Trey Lance back there because I know without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, if Elijah Mitchell's playing, they're going to run that ball. And I definitely need <laughs> people to take a side bets right now. And oh, now hold on, said, John. Oh, listen, you actually might not work in your favor because yeah. they do some read option stuff. And there's a chance where on plays where Elijah Mitchell will 100% get the carry, Trey Lance can keep it and take away some of his carries. And yeah. it may result in goal line touchdowns. So you might want Jimmy Garoppolo to play because he is going to just turn around and hand it to Elijah Mitchell. You want well, injured Jimmy right Garoppolo that Kyle Shanahan is afraid of letting throw the ball, so he just hands it off 55 times. That's what you want. And he does have a uh, – was it a hand injury, right? Yeah, thumb. His throwing thumb. Oh, yeah, his oh, throwing man. thumb. Yeah. I can't see him playing. I think it's going to be Trey Lance, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. we got a couple days to figure that out. John, Cody, it was super fun doing this crossover podcast. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for making the Locked On Podcast Network your first listen every day whether it's locked on 49ers or locked on texans you can check out locked on today with peter bukowski you can check on check out locked on bets with your boy q of course as always with every show here on the network always free on all of your favorite podcast platforms all of us will be back tomorrow because we're doing it daily here on the network talk to y'all then uh next time <laughs>